Thomas said unto him, Lord, ye know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known the Father. I'm just letting that sink in. If you had known me, you would know the work of my spirit. From henceforth, you shall know him and have seen him. Now here's the, where many of us find ourselves. Philip said unto him, Lord, Shew us the Father, and it sufficeth us. He just told him. If you can't perceive what's going on. And Philip said, show us the Father, and it'll suffice. Jesus said, have I been so long with you, and yet. Thou hast not known me, Philip. Where have you been, Philip? I've been raising the dead, healing the sick. Are you just a part of a parade? Or are you in this to live for me? He that hath seen me has seen the Father. Notice Philip did not get a miracle. How sayest thou then, shewest the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but of the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believe me that I am, there it is, I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and else believe me for the very work's sake. Verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Verse 13, And whosoever, whatsoever, ye shall ask in my name, that, will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Is your prayer glorifying Him? That's what I want to preach about this morning. Is our prayer glorifying Him? Let's lift our hands one more time. Father, help me to deliver Your Word as You gave it to me. Let it go forth with the clarity. Let there be an understanding. I bind all doubt and unbelief. I take authority over witchcraft again in this service today that would cause confusion and cloud our minds. But let there be a clarity and an understanding to the Word of God in all of our hearts. I ask it in Jesus' name today. Let it be done. God bless you. You may be seated. From the beginning of time, from the beginning that man was first created, God made that he would have relationship with that creation. But it wasn't long after that that uh, that relationship was thwarted. That relationship was lost. And the Bible begins to take you and I down the chronological pages trying to show how that relationship is restored back again. But that's not so much the whole story. The whole story is there's a part within humanity that wants to know God. There's a part within all of humanity that will ask the question, Who is God? What is God? Where is God? How can I be connected to Him in relationship? The question that we're hearing today, and I've seen uh, secular publications, Time Magazine years ago, wrote articles about where is God, who is God, and all this kind of stuff. It's nothing new under the sun. The question was asked years ago. 
That's what happened in many of the earlier pages of the Word of God where they would worship the sun god and the moon god. And one of the ones that is most clear for us was when Elijah met with the prophets of Baal. And he told them on Mount Carmel that the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And there the fire fell, but before it ever fell, there was all of those uh, prophets of Baal that were calling on their God, their definition of what God was. And they cut themselves and did all of these gestures to try to cause their God to awaken. And remember, it's their God, little g. It's not Elohim, our God as we know Him. But it was their gods and their pagan ritualistic efforts of trying to get God to show up. So the question has not been new. It's a question that has been asked for ages. Who is God and, and, and what is it about Him that would bring this deity or this glorious presence that I know is there but how do I get him to manifest himself so if you understand that premise that it's always been asked then you can look at these pages here now we've come to a culmination of the manifestation of what the Israelites and the Jews have known that Jehovah the mighty God from the very beginning that revealed himself progressively over time Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, the Elohim that they studied and the, the Jews of Israel that they pledged their allegiance to and their life to, that now we've come to a culmination and the revelation of and the final theophany of Jesus is the manifestation of that. And now you've got this yearling, this beginning church that is asking questions. They're walking with Him, they're talking with Him. They are experiencing things that no one else had previously seen before. You see, He would reveal just a piece of what His purpose was, but this revelation was only going to come through hunger. See, because in the Old Testament, when they had the tabernacle and, and that tabernacle moved through the wilderness, there was a, a clear, what they would call theophany, a manifestation of God. It was a cloud that rested over that tabernacle. And all of those Jews knew that was where the glory of God was in the beginning. That's where his presence was that they could always turn back to. Aren't you thankful that I know where I can turn right now? I might not have a tent and I might not see a glory cloud, but I know I can turn to his word and that glory will come out of that word and give me an answer that I need. And they knew that was his presence. That's where the glory was. But now that glory is beginning to change. That glory is beginning to shift in its manifestations. God does not change, but His manifestations do change. That's why I believe here in this end time, God wants to do something for our churches that has never been seen before. And where we think we got God figured out in our limited knowledge, God's going to do things in this end time and for our churches that are going to shock anybody that's willing to hunger for the unbelievable, the unprecedented, the things that have never been recorded before. God's ready to do that for us in Indian Village if we can stretch our faith and let our prayer be a prayer that brings glory to him this story that Jesus is telling them I'm telling you from the beginning is about his glory and what we feel is so far removed the tabernacle and the glory cloud and the power of God just because you and I haven't seen it doesn't mean God can't do it just because you haven't seen the miracle doesn't mean that glory can't go where they are and begin to deliver people and help people. And if our prayers is not bringing glory to Him, then it's a prayer that might not get answered even though you're calling on His name. And Jesus has these beginning disciples that knew about the glory in the tabernacle. They knew about all the studies that they had been taught years gone by. That hero Israel, the Lord our God, is one Lord. They had heard Isaiah 9 and 6. If you got it, you can put it fast, Brother Ron. I'll take it. If not, for unto us a son is born, child is given. And the government shall rest 
upon his shoulders. And then he continues to say, for he is the everlasting father. Isaiah 9 and 6. So they knew that there was a transition coming. There was a shift coming. There was going to be a manifestation. How could this God that is in creation a father? He's not a person. He's a father. He just created it. Just because you're a father, that, that's just your title. That, that's something you do. It doesn't mean that's your name. Jesus was the final revelation of what the name was hidden from the very beginning. I'll never forget, I heard an article, was told back to me, found it, know the author, Dr. Martin Luther, uh, Dr., not Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Lloyd, one of the leading Trinitarian proponents. And in his writing, he begins to say, as he concludes about the Trinity doctrine, that he begins to say that it is a mystery and that nobody can understand the doctrine of the Trinity. Now, I don't know about you, but I, 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 I got a little problem with that because if it's the most important doctrine of the Word of God, then why doesn't God give you and I the revelation of it? Here's why. The word Trinity ain't even in the Bible, but the oneness is in the Bible. Oh, I just hit a stump right there. I need some help here this morning. I need some help here this morning. I'm hitting that thing that's all around here that's got our loved ones bound in a false doctrine. God's wanting to bring them home and give them a revelation of the mighty God in Christ. That when Jesus came, he manifested himself as the final theophany of what God was. If it's a mystery, I can take it further. And he even began to say that mysteries are... Only for God. And I know Paul talked about a mystery. But the Godhead wasn't a mystery. Paul said in Colossians. For this mystery has been revealed. How God robed himself in flesh. And manifested himself in Colossians. So the mystery of the Godhead is not a mystery according to men. But it's a revealed thing that God wants to give his people. That's why you and I, the best revelation you and I could ever get is how God, who robed himself in flesh, came and died and shed blood and then ascended into heaven and came down again in another form called the Holy Ghost and now lives in you and I. That's the greatest revelation you and I could ever get. Because if you ascribe to the fact that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost are three separate persons, which the Trinity believes they're co-equal, co-eternal, and co-existent. Three parts of a pie. Here's my question. The scripture says he has no beginning or end. Then how do you equally divide the pie? You can't. There's no beginning or end. You can't come down and say you're one third father, one third son, one third Holy Ghost. You gotta say, God, you are one this, you're one that, you're the burning bush, you're the everlasting father, you're the mighty God in Christ, you're the Alpha, the Omega, you're the beginning and the ending, the rose of Sharon, the bright morning star, you're everything consumed into one, and your name is Jesus. And if I get the revelation of his name, not just some knowledge, but that he lives in me, there's nothing that you and I cannot pray that he won't get glory from. Jesus said, I come and I will live in you. But then he said, I'm going to send the comforter and he'll live in you. Either I got a schizophrenic God or he meant something else. He said, I'm going to come and live in you, Brother Kenny. And then he said, I'm going to send the comforter and he'll live in you. So what, you got two people in you? No, Jesus said, I come in my Father's name. And then he said, I'm going to send the comforter in my name. He's one and the same. When you get the Holy Ghost, you got Jesus, you got the Father, you got the burning bush, you got the rose of Sharon, you got the mighty God that spoke worlds into existence. That's why it amazes me. Why wouldn't you want the baptism of the Holy Ghost? It's the very thing that can put your family together. Matthew 1 and 8 said, 1 and 18 says, and the Holy Ghost came on Mary. John 16 says, Jesus speaking, said the Father came on Mary. Jesus has got two daddies. That's the craziest thing I ever heard in my entire life. 
See, but if we look at John chapter 14, John 13, John 14, John 15, and we look at it literally, that's what Philip was trying to do. Philip was looking at his words, taking it at face value. I'm sorry, but there's some things you're not going to be able to take at face value. I'm sorry for the realist. As much as we want it to be face value, there are some things in God that only come by revelation and hunger. And then you can take that as face value. Then you can take that revelation and say, now I got it on my own. I understand now when that preacher's up there preaching and he's starting to talk about, uh, reading about that by Jesus saying, don't find it up there for me. John chapter 14 and put me verse 6, 7. Let me put it on start at 7. So now the disciples, knowing that they are strict monotheistic, meaning one God, They knew one God. For Jesus to come down and advocate to a father and a son. To those Jews, Jesus would have been stoned by his own disciples. He was trying to bring them to a place that this beginning few, the 12, were going to get a revelation That no one else had gotten before. And just because. Listen. Just because they walked with him. Did not mean. They got it. Just because you say you're a Christian. Doesn't mean you got it. Just because you say. You and I believe in Jesus. Doesn't mean I got it. That's the case. Cornelius sister Katie. Was one of the finest men there was. He gave alms. He prayed of the Roman courts he was a part of. And the Bible said, I'm going to send a preacher to tell you a part of my word that you ain't previously heard before. A revelation's got to come to you, Cornelius. Acts chapter 9, 10. Go read it. Good man. Goodness does not cause you to be saved. I can give alms to the poor. I can sell my house and move to Papua New Guinea, Brother Butch, and Christianize all the natives. But if I have not come to a revelation of I've got to be saved and how to be saved, then you and I are just operating in the realm of human dynamics. And Jesus was trying to take these disciples from just operating in an administrative side. We're going to go get money and buy lunches and let's just kind of go through the motion of it. I'm ready to take you to a relationship with me that goes beyond anything that anyone's ever seen. They've been waiting for it and I'm the revealed product of what everybody's been waiting for. He tries to transition them into it. But they're looking at it. Saying, six, they're saying, what are you talking about, Jesus? It, it was even deeper than that. They were trying to say, give me something more tangible. Watch me. I'll live for God if God does this. I'll serve God with all my heart. That's where we are in Christianity, Brother Bush now. Sad to say our Pentecostal churches are right there. We've walked with him and walked with him, but we still don't know him. Give me one one the scripture right now. Five seconds. I bet you there ain't five people can give it to me. True? Can you quote other than hero Israel, the Lord our God's one Lord? But yet we got a generation coming up and we're wondering why they're backslid. Have they been taught? Have we prayed prayers that would bring God's glory into our home? Or did we pray prayers just to fulfill our own selfish desires? Before I go to that one, find me real quick, Brother Ron. Forget Isaiah. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. God's trying to change us and show us 
He says, but we, we renounce the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. We were handling it because Paul's saying, we, we've, we've gotten away from that. I'm not trying to figure out God's word that I can argue it. Handling it deceitfully that I can get something that in turn I can go back and argue with you and twist your head all up and make you believe something that's contrary to scripture. Paul said, we renounce that. What he's saying is, I'm here because I'm hungry. I have no hidden agenda. I have no hidden motive. I'm not here for anything else other than God feel this hunger that's in my heart. See, for the North American church, we filled our hunger with Facebook. We filled our hunger with media. We filled our hunger with everything else under the sun that's tangible. And God said, I created that hunger in you that I would fill it and not the things of the world. Oh, three Baptist head nods and two hand claps. God's trying to shake us to realize our prayers are ready to be answered. But if it didn't bring God glory, then you and I are going to miss it and be frustrated. It's a prayer that I'm seeking him for my own. You know, this whole storm. Don't let it come to me. Just let it go to them. But God, don't let it come to none of us. See the difference in the prayer? God, please don't let it come. God, just don't let it come. And I'm just using storm as an example because it's, it's still around. But what prayers is God trying to take us to a deeper understanding and relationship of him at where we've just kind of gone through the motion brother Mike and said the prayer and quoted and quoted and quoted there's no impetus behind it the anointing breaks the yoke that's what we got but when I pray I gotta believe that that anointing begins to move inside of me if there ain't something moving inside of me and you something's dead I need my prayer to be alive I need my worship to be alive I need my living for God to be alive that when I wake up in the morning I'm excited for today is the day the Lord hath made I will rejoice I thank God for the chance to come to his house and hear his word Modern denominationalism has just kind of settled. Cares of life has just settled. Hurts of past things have just settled. And now the word of God goes forth. I had a pastor the other day call me. He said, whatever happened to just good sinners? I'd take a good old drunk any day. Because immediately, if they want deliverance, they'll get deliverance and they'll live for God. It's happening all over North America. I've hear, I'm getting reports from people all over North America. People throwing their cigarettes up on the altar. People throwing their alcohol, just CD, throwing it all up on the, and they're having a revival and a breakthrough. Here's what God's trying to tell us. I'm waiting on you. If you'll pray the prayer that's kingdom minded, I'll let my glory come where it is and show you a relationship that you can have with me that goes beyond depression. It goes beyond hopelessness. It goes beyond marriage to break up it'll bring unity to a marriage if you and I will open ourselves to what God has but you see here's the thing about God brother Bush he will not violate your will oh how I wish he would sometimes for me I wish he'd come grab me and just say Benoit this is what you gotta do instead of making it well, Lord, what, what do I do? See, because our God operates this way. He shows it to us to see how hungry we are. The Bible says don't cast your pearl before a swine. That's a pig. Don't cast your valuable testimony of what God's given to you before somebody that ain't, don't even care about what God's done. Paul said... I'm not walking in craftiness nor handling the God of word, the word of God deceitfully, but in manifestation of the truth. Remember what John 14 said? I am the way and the truth. Paul's talking about the same thing, one and the same, Jesus. He said, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but the manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Next verse. Verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it be hid to them that are lost. Next verse. In whom the God of this world blinded. You know what the word blinded means? One version 
says, like smoke. He's blinded. He's made a, such a smoke screen. How did he do that? That's my question. How did he do it? You've got to study the, the further root word of blinded. It means pride. So if somebody can't see the gospel, they're full of pride. It helps me and you, Brother Bush, when we go to that pulpit and we preach our guts out, sweat our suit down, and our shoes are soggy with sweat, giving it everything I got, I can walk away and say, I gave it everything, but the reason they didn't move is because of their own pride. So how do I become the opposite? I take my pride in prayer. I take my pride in fasting. I take my pride in lifting my hands and worshiping God like in a service this morning where it's kind of quiet and it's Sunday morning and we're still thinking about the storm. I lift my hands beyond what I want to do and I praise him because I'm going to crucify my pride. You know what? Basically by the lack of me lifting my hands and me worshiping God is basically saying, God, I don't need you. I got it all figured out. I don't need God to work nothing out. I got it all under control. That was Philip. He was saying, suffice it for me. If you give me this answer, Jesus said, I'm not giving it to you, Philip, until you show me you're hungry. Until you show me you're hungry for the things of God. He said, the God of this world has caused pride like a smoke screen. That now when the word of God comes, brother, but when it comes to present to them, they can't even see it, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God. Here's what Paul's trying to say. This all connects to chapter 14 of John. I'm not just rambling. What Paul is trying to say is, y'all been studying the cloud in the Old Testament. You've been watching Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, the provider, the theophanies of all the Old Testament. But here's what I'm trying to declare unto you, that Jesus... Is the image of God. That's why you and I, when we get Jesus, you didn't just get a rabbi. You didn't just get a, a third person of a triunity. You got the mighty God manifested in the flesh. And when you call on the name of Jesus, the image of God shows up and begin to manifest its power in me and your life. The image, the glorious gospel Christ is the image, the face of God. It's all you're going to see. You can't see a spirit. The Holy Ghost is a spirit. God in creation is a spirit. That's two spirits. One and the same because the Bible said there's only one spirit. So either I got a contradiction in the Bible. The Bible said there's only one. And this one says the Father's the Spirit. And this one says the Holy Ghost is the Spirit. Now the Bible's contradicting itself. You say, well, it's too hard. I, I, I'd rather, I've heard people, actually, it, why does God make it so hard? And all I can tell them is this. I bring Brother Ewan's coin statement out that I've used. And some of you are going to eventually memorize it. My word is just obscure enough. Do you know that word blinded? Another root word means obscure. That brother Ewan said, my word is just obscure enough. Now watch. That no dishonest heart will ever see it. That's why if you and I are trying to do it because I'm, I'm trying to do something with a hidden agenda or I'm here because I'm, a, I'm hungry for the things of God, the other part of it, God spoke to him and said, but my word is just as clear that no honest heart will ever miss it. If I can be honest, put away my pride, put away the things and say, you know what, God, eternity's close. You and I ain't going to live forever. Contrary to what you and I may believe or from secular world, you ain't going to live forever. There's going to be a day you're going to be pushing up tulips. I just hope before that day comes, you and I have a revelation of who God is and that he came to save us. He came to help us. He came to heal us. He came to restore a relationship back between me and him. image next verse but we preach not ourselves 
but Christ Jesus the Lord. And our sir, ourselves, for your service, for Jesus' sake. Next verse. There it is. For God. He, that's referring to creation. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. That goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 where it says, in the beginning, God. God created the heavens and the earth. He said, let there be light. He's trying to take us from creation to what God does to you and I individually. Just as God came to that world in the very beginning, Genesis 1, 1, 2, and 3, and there was darkness. The light came and that light shined into the world and life began to come. Paul's trying to tell you and I in Corinthians just as that light shined in the beginning that light is shining today and it's reaching for the hearts of individuals today that it could shine into the darkness of our minds and our hearts if you're confused all we need is more of the word of God if you and I are mixed up in our thinking we just need more of the word of God if you and I are suffering from anger and frustration if I can get the word of God it'll bring a peace that'll pass all understanding said he commanded the light to shine out of darkness that's Genesis 1, 2, 3 and 4 has shined, now he's taking and saying that same creative power I created something that girl right there me and her created that girl making me a father but it's not my name I operated in that role if I operate in the role of a father, but now I'm a son to them no-haired and gray-haired people over yonder. If I'm a father to her, did I just compromise who I am, Brother Kenny, by being a son to them? I'm one and the same. I was a son. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a saint. I'm a preacher. And if we start dividing it into. But if I understand there's only one. God. Question is then why was he talking about fathers and all this kind of stuff. It's real easy. Jesus Christ has got a dual nature. He's fully God and fully man. Fully God, fully man. That's why when you go read Matthew 1 and 8. Matthew chapter 1. The chapter that we skip over and don't read. Because it's all the begots, 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 begots. Y'all with me? And we skip that chapter and go to the next one. There's one part in there we miss. When it gets to Jesus, it don't say begot. Begot. It says was born of Mary. Why? Because he got his body from humanity, but he's got his blood from divinity. There ain't one drop of Jesus' blood that came from Mary. You a daddy? And let's say you have 16 kids with 16 different women. God forbid, I ain't counseling that one. <laughs> Go find somebody else. That's out my pay grade. <laughs> but when they don't know who the child's, what do they do? They take the blood of the daddy, not the mama. Because that kid only gets the blood from the daddy. There ain't one drop of that mama's blood in that kid she provides the body the blood comes from the daddy the creator so God in his beginnings needed blood and he needed a body so he overshadowed Mary this is what I used before I said the Holy Ghost overshadowed according to Matthew 1 and 18 but then you read John 16 it says and the father overshadowed they're one and the same. The spirit moved on the body in a creative, fatherly maker. You can tell it all whatever you want. He went over Mary and created a body within her. The mystery, if there be any, is how could a God who's omnipresent house himself, the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily, how could that manifest itself in that body. There be any mystery. It's how he did it. Not whether he did it. He did it. How he did it. That's beyond my. That's revelation. That only God can bring. 
And what Paul's trying to show you and I is that light is shining into the hearts of his people for a reason. That the glory of God could shine through Jesus Christ. So the Old Testament and the glory and the cloud, Jesus Christ is the, the, the final manifestation of that glory. Right. Now, let's go to John 14. Chapter 14 and start with 6 or 7. Everybody all right? Jesus said unto him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Now watch this. Jesus said, I am the way. All these people saying there's another way? He said, I'm the way. Now we know his way is glory. It's the glory of God. Paul just said that. In the face of Jesus Christ, the glory's done. So there's no other way other than through Jesus Christ. You say, I got that. And that's where many of us stop right there. Next verse. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father. If you look at me, there should be a revelation to understand. I told you way back in Isaiah 9 and 6 that the everlasting Father. I told you there's only one God. I told you that. So when I came and I start talking this Father lingo, why does it freak you out? Philip, why are you so confused? You know there's only one God. I said it in Isaiah, beside me there is no other. I alone created the heavens and the earth. One throne, Jehovah Junior went to the left and Holy Ghost went to the right. There's only one God on the throne and he said there ain't nobody beside me to the right and there ain't nobody beside me to the left. There ain't a Jehovah Junior, there ain't a Jehovah Holy Ghost. There's only one God on the throne. He said if you... Me, if you really were in this for the right motive, Philip, you'd have got this revelation. I can't tell you, Nick, how many times I've been teaching Bible studies. And we go through the oneness of God over and over and over and over again. And while I'm teaching the Bible study, we get to the end. And they never got the revelation of the mighty God of God. I'll never forget. Matter of fact, it was Angela. Worked at his restaurant. I was teaching this back years ago. Me and hers, me and hers teaching a Bible study in Lake Charles to one of, uh, one of the workers there at his restaurant. And uh, we're sitting there in the living room, me, my wife, and Angela, and we get into the oneness of God. We start talking about how there's one. And her question was, but what do I do? She said, because I've always thought I look up. See, here's the images of our mind. She said, I see a throne, but then I see another one sitting on the side of it. I said, where can you find that scripture? She goes, I've never seen it. I said, you're right, because it ain't there. It's nowhere in the scripture. And as we begin to teach her the oneness of God, Things begin to come to her. And she sits back and she goes, I see it. There's only one. And there's multiple manifestations. It's not another person. It's one God on the throne. And when it happened, to her be the witness, the whole house, the lights started flickering. And the house started kind of just going nuts. And that was before smart houses. You know why? Because the enemy don't want this community to get a revelation of the oneness of God. This church was started because an old Brush Arbor preacher came into this area and began to declare there's only one God and his name is Jesus. And when you say Jesus and revelation in that name, it says everything else that's connected to him. He becomes my provider. He becomes my healer. He becomes my deliverer. He becomes my salvation. And only pride can stop you and I from seeing it. You walk out of this place today and say that preacher's crazy. You're who I'm preaching to. That's who I'm talking to. That comes into your mind. You're the one I'm preaching to. We live in too critical of an hour. For you and I to let the enemy bombard our mind. But if we'll get hungry. See, Philip, Philip was at a place. He saw the miracles. If you knew, if you saw me, you would have known the Father. And from henceforth you know him. I've told many people in teaching those Bible studies, because some got it and some didn't. And it always went back to hunger. Those that were hungry, they would do everything in their power to make it. 
to hear God's word. See, and we live in an hour now, Brother Bushnell. You got to beg them. Not here in the village. Look at a storm and y'all hear a great crowd. But I've been in places. You got to beg them, Brother Kenny, to come to church. The hungers are not there. Why? Why are now all of a sudden we're not hungry like it was 40 years ago? I'll tell you why. We got so many gadgets and we got so many things. We're so consumed by everything else under the sun that when God's word finally does come. I used the joke about the, the charges up in the front of the church. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember. Pastor said all the people all of a sudden the first few pews were empty. The next Sunday says to Taylor before long the first three pews were full. He said, how'd you get them all up there? He said, I put cell phone chargers on the back of the pew. He said, that way they can charge their phones while the word's going on. <laughs> like right now, I've been in services, people flipping through Facebook, thing, people looking at text messages, people going through, we're so distracted in the world. I almost preached asleep at the cross this morning. I wanted to preach it so bad. Those disciples were asleep at the cross at the most critical hour. Folks, we're at an hour right now just like it was at Calvary. And there's a moment that the enemy's trying to put us to sleep and blind our eyes. God is for us and we've got the greatest revelation that the church has ever experienced when God told you who his name is next verse and Philip said Jesus just told him Philip you see me you've seen the father and Philip stops and says, show us the Father. Verse 8. Show us the Father. Tell me. Go back to verse 8. And it suffices us. And here's what we say. Now here's what just shocked me when I read this. You mean Philip. You've been walking with him. It'd be like... How long have you been living for God, Brother Mark? 55 years. 55 years. It'd be like you living for God for 55 years, but never getting to the place God destined for you to be. It's like you living beyond your means. That's Philip. He mean, you mean to tell me I just raised the dead, Philip? I've healed the sick. I've opened blinded eyes. I've done all of this stuff. I've told you I'm the revealed glory of, of creation. That's what the Mount Transfiguration was. He went to the top of the mountain and the three boys went up and what happened on the mount? It was like God just unzipped himself and said, here it is. I've been trying to tell y'all. I've been the same since the beginning in a body. I ain't changed a lick. He just unzips and says, here's the glory. This is the same glory that was over the tabernacle. But you see, he would only take a few. So what category are we going to be in? I'm happy right here. This is what I fight in the spirit, Brother Butch. Not me personally. All across, everywhere I've ever been. Do I stay right here? Or do I let God take me to another revelation of Him that I've never seen in relationship? Or am I so satisfied with just occupying? And His response is, Come on, this will be the thing that will suffice for me. You got a part, Philip. Shouldn't that be enough that you build on that? That's why he told Peter. Remember Matthew 16 when he's there with Peter? He goes, who do men say that I am? Same, same theme. Peter's, Philip's coming here saying, who are you? Are you the father? Are you the son? And Philip said, tell me, and it'll suffice. Sometimes God ain't going to answer like you want him to answer because your answer will not produce his glory. And if he would have got the answer he wanted, there would have been no glory. But it would have separated or caused Philip to look at this and say, I need to hunger for him more. I need to understand him more. I don't want to just take it at face value. I want to know what it is of your purpose. What are you here for? And Peter in Matthew 16, it was the same thing. He turned to him and said, Whom do men say that I am? There's a problem out here, Peter. There's a problem, Philip. Everybody thinks I'm just a rabbi. Everybody thinks I'm this. And some are saying I'm this. And some got their own idea of who I am. 
Who do you, who do men say, Peter? And they spoke up and said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. And watch Jesus. I love this scripture. He turns back to the boys and says, but who do you say? You can't get more personal than that. It's almost like, that's why I wish sometimes as a preacher, I could, you could come down and say, who do you say? Who do you say? He is. See, for you, he might be your healer. For you, he might be the deliverer. For you, he might be a savior. For you, he might be this and that. And that's what makes up a congregation because everybody's got a revelation of what he's been to them. And when that congregation comes together and in unison begins to say, God, you're my healer. That's why praise is imperative. If he's ever healed you, raise your hand. If he's ever delivered you, raise your hand. And when we do it together, we magnify his name to us and his glory says, he said but who do you say and Peter jumps up and says thou art the Christ the revelation boom and watch what Jesus says blessed your greatest blessing is when God gives you a revelation in his word Your greatest blessing is not when God fixes me and your problems. It's not when God gives us a million dollars. It's not when God fixes all the things that we're struggling with. It's when God comes down to us. And in private time of reading his word, that word comes alive, Brother Kenny. And I get a revelation of that word. When that happens, his glory, the face of Jesus Christ, just shined in me. And there's a blessing that begins to come up. That's why if you and I ever read the word of God, we need to read it now. If we ever sink our life, our heart, it not just read. It, but study his word. He said, Blessed are thou, Simon Barjona, the son of Simon Barjona. Why did he say that? For that's your original name, but because you got this revelation, thou art Peter, Petra. Here's what he's saying to Simon. Here's what he's trying to tell Simon Peter. You just, please, if you miss this, you miss my whole message. He said, Peter, you just got a revelation that you got to build on. And now you are the rock by which I'm going to build this church upon. You got a revelation. Folks, we can't build a church on antics. We can't build a church on fancy light shows. We can't build a church on fancy saints or fancy preachers. We build a church upon the word of God and a revelation of that word and people that love that word and are hungry for that word and revival will be like a tidal wave that sweeps over us. He said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. If some of you are fighting hell, you're built on the wrong rock. Let me, let, me, let me make that a little bit more clear. If you're fighting gates of hell and you ain't been built on the right rock, the hell's going to prevail. But if you've been built on the right rock, it doesn't matter what comes against you. It doesn't matter what people come against you. You've got a safety. You've got a security in the word of God that you can make it through anything. Put your trust in him. Don't put it in man. Don't put it in an organization. Don't put it in a denomination. Put it in the word of God and let his word be the rock that leads you through troubled waters I close musicians come and he said Peter I'm going to build so here's the revelation this is the part I said if you miss this you miss it everything is built in your life on that fundamental foundational rock Jesus Christ is Lord Not just saying it, but do you know it? Do you know he's Lord? Philip didn't. He thought he was just a good teacher. He had lost. Jesus had become common. Just like church today. I'm going to be just plain and blunt. It's common. We're excited right now and there's momentum and everything now. But you watch. If that don't stay and it was built, if it was built on faulty foundation, it'll stop in six months. You don't build it on a man. 
You build it on the plan of God, the will of God, the word of God, the purpose of God, the divinity of God. Because if not, it's just going to be common. Living for God's common. I just do what I want to do, live how I want to live, go where I want to go, talk like I want to talk. And there's never a commonality. Folks, we're living in the end time. You better get ready. There's going to be more preaching about sin and about living for God with all your heart. If we don't get that, then what are the reasons we're here? Philip didn't get it. It was just a man. He walked with him and it was common. That's why he missed the revelation. And what I fear has come upon us, Brother Bushnell, this great Pentecostal experience, talking in tongues and the jubilance that we try to have here on Sunday nights, it takes a rocket science or something trying to breakthrough. I got a text at 3 o'clock in this morning said, from a preacher said, Benoit, I don't know what you got, but something's about to break through. I said, thank God we need it. Y'all think I'm playing. We need a breakthrough. We ain't broke through. God's wanting to give us a breakthrough. And what I feared, in a sense, has come upon us. Pentecost has become common. It's just another thing I do. I got the Holy Ghost, Acts 2.38, shifted in gear and just kind of coast. And God's saying, we're just like Philip. When I read that about Philip, he said, he, he said, I, I he said, next verse, I close. Jesus, have I been so long? How long has Pentecost been here? Philip, have I been so long with you and you still in first grade? And you're 18 years old. Why are you still in first grade? What is it? Philip, I've been with you so long. Surely you would have perceived. That's what the word known means. It's twofold. It means intimacy, relationship, and it also means perception. Brother Chris, have I been so long with you? I've shown you everything. I've shown you miracles that the priests, the Sadducees and Pharisees couldn't do in all their religiosities. I came and just shook it up. And still, you say you don't know me and you need something else. I gave you the greatest revelation. The mighty God. The glory manifested in me. I've been so long. Well, maybe I'm just preaching to myself today. Because when I read that scripture, I began to weep over my Bible. And I began to say, God, I've lived for you now 26 years. Are you saying that about me? That I've lived for you for 26 years and I'm still asking you for prayers that you're telling me if you knew me, you wouldn't be asking that silly prayer. God, heal, God, touch, God. I told some of you before and I'm going to say it again and I don't say this arrogantly or brashly, but death don't fear me. It don't make me afraid. Don't weep at my funeral. Just take care of them. Why? Because I done caught a revelation. There's a place that's far more greater than this earth. I'll miss my family. I don't want to leave them fatherless, husbandless. But you hear me. There's a place that I get to see him face to face. I get to see what I've been hungering for in prayer. I get to long for in prayer. See, because my prayer ain't, God, I need you to fix my ingrowing toenail. I need you to fix this incidental thing. I need you to do this or that. You know what? I need you to save my soul. I'm a preacher of this gospel, and I don't want to miss out with you. Don't let me preach this for 26 years and be lost. I wept over my Bible, and I said, God, stand with me. I said, God. I said, have I been so long with you too? Listen to me. Listen. To me, there's no sadder thing than Jesus would have said this. Depart from me. 
heart. For I never knew you. Depart from me. For I never knew you. Watch what they said. But we cast devils out in your name. That means you can still be a person of the name and be lost. I'm going to say it because I know I'm right. There's going to be many Pentecostals that don't make it. Because we've gotten common with God. We think he's going to, we got him on speed dial, Brother Bush now. Call him. No. No. And he's saying, I need something more. So Jesus in his goodness. Now I'm going to go fast. Hang on, Brother Ron. Here we go. For how long I've been with you and you don't know me. For a moment, I kind of thought about the Lord. Do you think he was disappointed? I've invested so much work into you boys. How much work has he put in Indian Village? I put so much work into you. And you still don't know me. Oh, I want to know him. I want to know him. More than just a saint or a preacher or a churchgoer. I want to know him as a friend. And then Jesus says, if you've seen me, Philip, all I'm giving you is, if you've seen me, you've seen the Creator. I am the creator. That's why he said, he that has seen me has seen the father. How sayest then thou shewest the father? Why are you asking to see something that's already in front of you? Next verse. Believest thou not that I am. There it is. I am. What did he tell Moses? I am that I am. Tell me your name. I am that I am. I'm your healer. I'm your deliverer. I'm your savior. Sometimes you got to take what you got in God and go forward with it. I speak unto you, I speak unto myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, speaking of his dual nature, that ain't two people. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me or else believe me for the very work's sake. Next verse. Now here, he just said it. He said, get this revelation. Because if you don't get this revelation in your spirit, not because the preacher told you, But you get it on your own. He said, if you don't get it for the work's sake, you're going to miss the work. Verily, verily. When anytime he says verily, verily, this is what he's saying. Listen, listen. He's emphatic. I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the work shall he do also. Greater works than these shall he do because I go. I'm going to ascend. This is what you got to get, Philip. Once you get the revelation, you got to do something with it. Next verse. Whatsoever you ask in my name, I will do it that I may be glorified. Watch. In you. They say that's not what it says, Benoit. Yeah, it is. He said that it'd be glorified in the Son. Where's the Son? You got the Holy Ghost now. The Son's in you. And whatever you ask in my name, that the Son in you may be glorified. That people will see when you pray things in my will, I begin to work because you understand the revelation of my name. And people will come because I'm glorified. Does anybody want to know him today? I want to know him more today than ever before. I want us all to come to this altar together. Everybody, visitors, we invite you. I'm not inviting you to this altar to join our church. I'm just inviting you to come and pray with us. Based on, do you want to know it? I want to know it. Peter declared it that day, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. When you were baptized in Jesus' name, your sins were remitted through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that Spirit of Christ now dwells in you through the Holy Ghost. 
So today, if anybody doesn't have the Holy Ghost, God will fill you. You just got to repent and ask God to forgive you. For those that have the Holy Ghost, maybe your prayer today is, I want to know Him. I want us to lift our hands all across this building today. There's some needs that are in this building.